I uh, was coming into my office this morning and somebody, like a smart aleck, put something on my desk that they wanted me to read. Uh, And I've been in churches before where that's usually not a pleasant experience. Um, But this one was, and it's, it's an article called Worship Receiving Line Etiquette. You know, like when I'm out at the the back door and you come by and you greet me. I have a collection of things that you say to me. Uh, And uh, it's almost as good as this one. But I wanted to read to you a few of these because these are things not to say when you go to the back as you uh, leave today. I know some of you are going to be very creative. But this comes from Brett Younger, who uh, actually was uh, one of my professors uh, at McAfee. But he says, uh, here's, here's one thing that people say to preachers on the way out. Do you have a cold? <laughs> I'm just saying it's 12:15. Every sermon you preach is better than the next one. I think Nancy. Nancy, that's your line. <laughs> um, how many preaching classes did you take at seminary? That used to be one of my favorite texts. (laughs) And uh, then there's another one. Here's what I would have done with the sermon. And finally, you almost make me want to read the Bible. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) Well, Easter, it's hard to go wrong with the Easter message, isn't it? Uh, And it's hard to go wrong with Easter. As we started out this morning, we had a lot of celebration, a lot of things that were going on uh, out on the lawn. And uh, we had an Easter egg hunt, and it was great to see the kids uh, going. Uh, Actually, it was great to see some of the youth hiding the eggs out there, and I imagine there are still some that are uh, hidden out there that we'll find uh, at Christmas time or something. But uh, as I was thinking about Easter egg hunts, I saw this particular graphic this past week of uh, these kids getting ready to go on this Easter egg hunt. And you see them behind a line, and you see them waiting, and there's nothing worse than waiting for an egg hunt, right? You see all of these eggs out there, and you know they're full of candy, uh, all the good stuff. Uh, Some churches are really mean, and they put Bible verses (laughs) inside the eggs. Yeah, cruel. But they, uh, you know, they're looking out at these eggs, and you you can't really see too much uh, of the faces in the back, but you see the anticipation, right? And uh, there's nothing in their baskets yet. They haven't gotten out to where the eggs are, and they won't. They'll have empty baskets if they just stand there, right? It's only as they go get the eggs that they get the, the full baskets of eggs, and they get to enjoy that. And that is uh, such an exciting thing when you get those eggs and see what's inside. Well, today as we celebrate Easter, we find that the same kind of uh, emotion was going on with the uh, women who went to the tomb as we heard from Matthew's Gospel. And I want to invite you, if you've already closed your pew Bible, open that again. It's at the very end of Matthew. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. And as we read in this text, we see that they are trying to understand what Easter has for them, what what is going on uh, inside of uh, 
this tomb. But it's only as they go to where it's all happening or happened. And, of course, they had no idea when they went to the tomb that they would find anything but a dead body. And as they were going there to visit and to do uh, the burial rites and things that they were prepared to do, and you'll see, you know, they had these uh, jars of ointment and, and all of the things that they would do uh, as a part of their religious practice. But when they got there, they discovered the body was not there. And as they got there, they discovered something that, that we get to find today as well. But it only happens as we go, right? They went to the tomb, and there they had this great discovery. And we're able to do that as well. We are able to find the good news of Easter. And that's what we see taking place here. Uh, as you can see in the image, as you see in the text, uh, they go to the, uh, the tomb, and as they are there, there is an angel sitting there by the stone. The stone has been rolled away, and they can't, probably they can't see everything that's inside of there, but they see enough. And we hear in other Gospels that they see that the, uh, the burial cloth is there. It's not wrapped around Jesus. There's no body that's in there at all. And so they hear this voice. And if you'll look again here, you'll, you'll hear this expression of good news. Uh, it says in, in verse 4, after this big thing happened, for fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has been raised as he said, come and see where he lay. This was great news for them. This was not a stranger. Uh, Jesus was not someone that they just heard about and and needed to go and tend to as, as he died. This was their dearest friend. This was their best teacher. This was the person who made every bit of sense to them as he talked about God, as he talked about love and how life is really to be lived, there's this beautiful expression of good news that they hear. I wonder what would have happened if they had not gone to the tomb. If they decided just in their despair and the overwhelming, uh, just the challenge of their grief, if they said, I'm just going to stay home, I can't take it. I can't go there. But they didn't. Instead, they got up and they went to the tomb. And as they went, that's where they found it. I've never been to the Grand Canyon. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Gosh, I feel bad. I I have not been. I've seen pictures of it. And I've seen it in movies and, and just the expanse of it. And you look at it and you go, wow. I mean, that's grand, right? There's a reason they call it the Grand Canyon. It's amazing, but I've never been there. I can't say that I fully appreciate how grand it is, having not seen it in person. And I don't think we can really say that the good news is as good as it is until we hear it, right? Until we find it, until we discover what good news really is. And as they heard, we get to hear today as well. He's not here. He is risen. 
Somebody said, he is risen indeed. You got it started. Let's do it. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And that's the good news. Amen. And as they heard that good news, it changed their lives. It changed the lives of the people around them. It changed the world. It changes us still today. Where do we go to hear the good news? Where is it that that you go to hear it? To think about it. You don't just hear it once, right? In fact, we are going to say that ancient greeting, He is risen. He is risen indeed. We are going to say that for the next Six Sundays. There are seven Sundays of Easter. And so we will have opportunity to hear that good news. And hopefully not just for the next six Sundays. We'll keep talking about it every Sunday. But we'll have that opportunity to dig deeper into what this Easter story is all about. What the resurrection is about. What that means for our lives. To understand what makes it good. Somebody once said that if it's not good news for the poor, it's not good news. If it's not good news for sinners, it's not good news. If it's not good news for the oppressed, it's not good news. If it's not good news for the people who think they're good, it's not good news. And so we get a chance to discover what that's all about, to be very intentional And I hope that you will continue coming, that you'll see Easter not just as one day, but it is a a time that we we go through, uh, just like we built up to this time with Lent. And we will spend wonderful time looking at the Scriptures as people interacted with the risen Jesus, as people uh, had opportunity to, uh, like Thomas, put his hand in the side of this risen Savior and hear the good news and what it was all about. So we get that opportunity, and that's something we find. But we also find the joy of Easter as we go. We don't find it unless we go. And that's what took place with these women. As they went to the tomb, and and as they were were there, and they were experiencing uh, what that was like, and you get the idea here, they're peering into the tomb, and, and that hand is out almost like, what is this? Joy can be a roller coaster, can it, of emotions? And really, I don't think that's what joy is. I think that's happiness. That's the emotion of happiness uh, as it differs from the reality or the state of being that is joy or being joyful. And so our moods can go up and down. Whether or not you're on Twitter, uh, there there are probably indications that, that maybe your joy is determined by your circumstances or determined by what people say to you, or what they do to you, or what they don't do to you. But the reality that that we find here on Easter is that it doesn't matter what happens to us. It doesn't matter what problems we have, what challenges come our way. Because Easter is our victory, isn't it? that we are able to understand that we have every reason to have joy in our lives that is unaffected by all of that. Is that the kind of joy that you have? Have you found that kind of joy that no one or nothing can mess with? Well, what is that 
joy. I mean, how would we even know that it's there? Well, chances are you experienced it in a trial uh, as you go through a, a difficult time that there's some kind of, some people call it a peace or uh, some sense of stability or the fact that you can still wake up and get out of bed, the fact that you can get dressed and go to work or whatever you need to do. You can look back and, and see that there is a joy that is down inside of you, that God is doing something inside of you. And that is the joy, I think, of new life as well. As the women went to the tomb, they, they looked and saw that Jesus was not there. And then they heard that he was not there. And it created this great joy. Well, where do we go to find that joy? Well, we go where Jesus is. So the uh, angel said, go where Jesus told you to go, and there you will see him. Go to Galilee. They didn't run uh, and, and put their head in the, in the ground somewhere. They didn't uh, think that uh, they're just going mad and, and, and you know, uh, just disappear. They understood that these words were true, and so they went. And they found Jesus there. And we are to go where Jesus is. And so I ask you, where is Jesus? Where do you find Jesus? Where does God want you to go? Maybe it is a Galilee of sorts. Maybe it's somewhere that you go and you can spend some time with God. And you can enjoy the fellowship that God gives to you through Jesus Christ. Chances are it's not going to be on Twitter. It's not going to be on social media. It's not going to be while you're looking at some screen. It's going to be when you get alone with no other distractions and sit and reflect and experience the joy that God has for you. And so we have that opportunity to find it. But also we find the reality of Easter. And that's what they discovered as well. If you look back at the text, it says that they they not only discovered this, but they went later. And uh, it says, suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings. Now, that sounds kind of nerdy, doesn't it? (laughs) If Jesus walked in here and said, greetings, you would think, what? And especially if he said it in King James, right? Um. Basically, Jesus is giving them a a greeting, like shalom. Uh, He is wanting them to know that he is glad to see them. And so uh, he says, greetings. And they came to him, these women, and they took hold of his feet and bowed down. They worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And so they had this great discovery of embracing Jesus. They they truly understood at that point that he was real. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a figment of their imagination that he was real. This was reality. Now, I don't know how many of you have those virtual reality, uh, the headset. Anybody have that? Okay. All right. Just as I expected. Um, I haven't gotten one yet, but I've been reading about them. And, you know, you've seen them on commercials, and you, you see people, uh, they take these out on the street corner in some big city and, and uh, have people experiment with them. And, you know, you see people who are 
um, reaching out to touch things that aren't really there. Now, for them, they are there because they are, they are seeing. They're, they're in another world, a virtual world. And as they are experiencing that, it is apparently so moving and so powerful that it, it's, you can't distinguish. And the brain has difficulty distinguishing between what, what's going on in that virtual reality and what's taking place in real life. And there's a lot of writing uh, uh, in, in uh, different uh, tech articles and, and in psychology magazines and things about how this is creating problems. Because people are getting to the point where they can no longer distinguish between what is real and what is unreal. And most of us, and this is why these things are selling like hotcakes, most of us would rather be in a different world, wouldn't we? We'd rather be flying or uh, playing golf in a virtual world. You might try that, Randy. Uh, We might do all kinds of things that we could never do in this world. We feel the limits of it. Or we, we, we feel the, the lack of real life, and so we want to experience it in that way. And that is not reality. What Jesus does uh, as He leaves the empty tomb, and as He greets people, and as He continues to live, He expresses reality. And we are able to find that reality this Easter. And as we continue with our lives, we are able to find it. What about you? Are you finding it? I mean, what is it when you find it? What is that reality? Well, isn't it the reality of life over death? The fact that we are able to go to a cemetery or go to a funeral of a loved one and recognize that that's not the last time I'm going to see that person. This Casket is not the end or uh, the, uh, the things that I knew of them, the things that I could hear or see or smell or remember, that's not the end of them. They continue on and we will all continue on together. Life over death. How about love over hate? Isn't that the reality of the resurrection? If you can love someone when they hate you, You have tapped in to the love of God. Jesus said, don't just love your friends, love your enemies. What about justice over injustice? When we can experience and be a part of bringing God's justice into this world in places where there is tremendous injustice. And that's something we all have opportunity to do. Then we are experiencing the reality of Easter. What about experiencing peace over chaos or salvation over condemnation or connection with God over separation and being set into a lonely place where we are not communing with our God. Well, how is it and where is it that we go to experience that reality? Well, you you go where Jesus is. You will find Jesus right here in this room You'll find Jesus in the person sitting next to you. You'll find Jesus in the uh, guy who is down at Wendy's uh, asking for money as you go through the drive-thru. 
You'll find Jesus in your children, in your parents. You'll find Jesus all over the world. Where will you find Jesus this next week? And how will you embrace him? These women were the first to see that the tomb was empty. They were the first to get a chance to embrace the risen Christ. And it changed them forever. They couldn't help but fall down and worship. You are invited to do that as well. As we get ready for communion now, we recognize that this is a way for us to find not only the reality of Easter, not only the joy, not only the good news. We we get all of that together as we partake in communion. It is a way of remembering that God is with us and that we are with each other. And we do as Jesus said for us to do, to, to break the bread and take the cup and to remember. And so I invite you to participate in that time this morning. Let us go to God in prayer.